0: What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here with Daryl Slater for the latest episode of Talk is Cheap. Uh, OTAs and minicamp are over. We're it's a summer break. We got, a, got it got a day early, which uh, you and I are talking about it was a strange feeling because you know you, we were mentally prepared for like Thursday to be the last day, um, and then when we find out we just don't have to go in, it's it's kind of like if like you went to school and summer break was supposed to be on Thursday, but they just actually you guys can just not come back on Thursday. You're good. <laughs> like it was like the weirdest I don't know I just like when they told they told us like the night before they didn't want us to spoil it for the players I think because they did like a barbecue instead of practice uh to end things um and it, it was just like I was just like mentally ready to guard right, this is the last day you know you say, say goodbye to everybody for the summer you're right have a good summer in their yearbook and then you then you go back home
1: <laughs> yeah we didn't get that yeah you know we didn't get to say any fond farewells to Brian Dable <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, Thursday today we're talking here Thursday night. Yeah. So today's practice is going to be so light. It was like on the schedule yeah. for forty-five minutes. I mean, it, I, you see a lot of teams. Walk through, yeah, yeah, you see a lot of teams do this uh, here at the end of mini camp, or even the Jets did it today for their. Lo- well, I guess this is going to come out by the time everyone knows it. But they're the, you know they did the same thing for their last OTA. They have their mini camp next week. But teams have done this like in the past. Where they'll do like some kind of in lieu of the final practice team outing, yeah. bowling. I think the Jets had done bowling before, and uh, I don't recall if Joe, Joe. Well, Joe Judge never really had a normal off season like no. in the spring. Which is kind of so, crazy to think about now. Yeah. So they did that. They did the. Uh, you know, I would like a full report on if there was a hot dog eating contest and, <laughs> and who who won. Who who,
0: who who do you think would win that? I'm trying to think who would be good at. That. I mean, you, John, the easy John pick John would online. be the
1: biggest guys, right?
0: Yeah, I would I, I would feel like Felicia, I feel like Evan Neal can probably throw them down pretty quick. But, you know, d- does he move his hands quick enough? Who knows? I mean, he has pretty quick hands. He's good at
1: <laughs> <laughs> you also have uh, to have, like, no sense of decorum to, yeah. <laughs> to excel in a hot dog. Like, no That's shame.
0: Your, you know who I feel like could be a sneaky good one is Justin Ellis. I mean, the guy's nickname is Jelly. That just seems like a guy who would do well in uh, eating contest.
1: You yeah. have to embrace sloppiness and be yeah. willing to be aggressively uh, just like just a belligerent eater to be a good hot dog eater. <laughs> Like some of these guys are, you know, Evan Neal, mild mannered guy. I might be able to eat more hot dogs than he could. We're not going to go on a tangent, but I've done a hot dog.
0: what the People want, I think <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a low key guy. That's not like, you know, the a lineman that would be like good at this, but I can't really think of one. Um,
1: you know, it's funny. The, the, the typically like sometimes you see these competitive eaters like Kobayashi is a super light guy. What if oh, Cordell? Yeah. What if Cordell Flock could eat his weight in hot dogs? you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're like that. Yeah. I mean, so they do a thing and, or I think they stopped doing it. Um, but there was a thing called wing bowl. They would do every year. That yes. Was put on by like a local radio station. And there was this like small, like Asian lady that would win a lot of the time. Like she was just like a beast at eating wings. It was, it was like the I, craziest thing.
1: I know who that is. Uh, right. I think Sonia Thomas is her name. I know what just that might be it. Yeah. disturbing amount about competitive eating. Just, I had, you know, a little bit of an interest in it a while for a while there, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, that's too bad that no more wing bowl. And, uh, I don't know. I'd love to know what the, what, what was on the spread today? Even yeah, it if there was, was no I'm sure they had a
0: professional chef cooking, but I like the idea that Dable was the one like grilling it up. You
1: know, he's the grill master. I was thinking about this, so they said organization wide. So if you're making your kitchen staff work oh, it yeah. and cook, that does that's not the whole organization. Like Rest I don't sure. know, whatever. Whatever. I, um, I
0: just got an image in my head of Dave Gettleman on like a line and like a, wearing an apron and grilling grilling up some burgers for people <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with a smile on his face. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he was there. I I think he's come through a, a few times over the course of the of the year. So maybe he was there. Who knows?
1: <laughs> well, his imprint is very much on this roster. We all
0: know that. <laughs> All right, on that note. Couldn't resist. On that note. Um so I, before we like get into the nitty-gritty of like you know just looking back at minicamp and OTAs because there's a lot to take away. Like what what's like your overall feeling coming out of the, your first Brian Dable spring?
1: Well, I think you captured it pretty well in the post you put up today and I, I know you uh, you mentioned when we were talking before this so you were going to do it when whenever OTAs concluded but now they were or uh, Mini Camp concluded you had to kind of Get it together quickly, but th- these were all thoughts that you know we we had talked about, and that uh, you know obviously were the main takeaways, right? And I think you did a good job capturing everything. And one of the main things I think that what we've noticed is, um, you know, he's a little bit more uh, laid back than Joe Judge. Uh, now I don't know where Brian Dable falls on like the laid back versus not laid back spectrum of NFL coaches, but. Yeah. Um, so i don't know is it like overcorrection? who knows but like he i think it was a fairly normal approach right he didn't he's not pushing it
0: it might feel like wildly different but i think judge was like the other extreme so
1: yeah i think you know not it's not just the punishment lap stuff you know he obviously like the
0: lap stuff is maybe overblown more than like some of the other stuff honestly
1: yeah these were pretty light practices and i'm not even just talking about like taking it easy on injured guys. Cause any coach with yeah. the common sense will do that in the spring, but they, they were fairly light practices. And then it was interesting to hear him also talk fairly openly and directly when he was asked about whether he would have a leadership council. Yeah. I thought that was the most interesting thing he said the whole spring, honestly. Yeah. And, and he was pretty, I mean, now he's not necessarily ripping oh, Joe also, judge, but
0: I'll read the quote. It was an interesting quote. Just like, yeah, go ahead. Me, let me pull it up. Right.
1: Oh, while, while you're doing that, I just, the context of it, uh, you know, I didn't take it as him ripping Joe judge. I thought, um, he was pretty, but he, he was criticizing that approach. I don't know whether he knew that Joe did that with a leadership council, but that, he was, well,
0: I mean, Joe judges in the only, like, I think the Eagles even did that with Doug Peterson. Like that's yeah, not, it's not that's
1: some novel, approach, like it, but he,
0: like, I don't think it's, nec- it's just a different approach. Like we're saying, but so the quote, he said, I think it's important to talk to your players. I think just because you have experience and you're a good player doesn't necessarily mean you're a leader. Everybody can be a leader in their own right, doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. That's the first of being leader. We have a lot of guys that I think fit that mold. How it pans out when we vote for captains, uh, which will be a vote for the players. It's their team that'll be down the road. Blah blah blah. But the, the, his whole point being, like, he wants the whole team to be involved in these decisions, not just like a group of five guys, which I think makes sense.
1: Yeah. He uh, now I wasn't. I don't know. Did who picked the leadership council last year? Was it judge or was judge, it? Was, I think
0: judge did.
1: See that. So so I, what, I, I what that I is is
0: that, I might be speak. I might be wrong, but I think he did.
1: I think Dable's point is, like, we're going to have the players pick the captains, and those guys are going to be the de facto designated leaders. Of course, everyone will have the ability to lead and have a say. But what good – I'm just kind of translating what he's saying. But what good is it if I'm, as the coach, uh, picking leaders when when the players should be doing it, right? So why have a leadership council that's picked by the coach if you're going to have captains that are picked by the players? It's like uh, it kind of – undermines it maybe a little bit. I, plus, I don't know. Plus, plus Is,
0: you, I mean, this isn't why he's doing this either, but, like, it's such a young team, and they have all these new players and stuff. Like, I think it makes sense to kind of, like, have an open-door policy-type situation.
1: Look, I mean, they're going to have young guys. Uh, we kick this around, we can, you know, we can talk about throughout the, our next few podcasts or whatever, but, like, just touching on it real quick at the obvious, they're going to have a lot of young guys not only contribute, but have, have big roles. Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau, everyone knows these things. You know, maybe Cordell Flott. Um, and so they're going to be a, not just a young team, but a, a, a team that has a lot of young starters. So, uh, who's to say that some of these young guys can't lead immediately. There's, you know, there's certainly no, uh, no rule against it. I mean, when in the, you, you've seen, you know, when it, when it was going well for Jamal Adams or the jets, he was the leader early on in his career. So, um, that maybe hasn't always been the case with the giants is because of the composition of their team. Um, but, uh. You know, I don't see any reason why a guy like on Thibodeau, who's very vocal, yeah, uh, couldn't be a leader.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so what I wanted to do to kind of go through everything, I figured we could go like position by position, and we could, if we have any takeaways, like I'm sure some of them will be short. Um, but I figured there's so much stuff to to sort through. I figured we could go position by position if you had, if we have any like thoughts from what we saw throughout the spring or whatever. Um, All right. Quarterback. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard. It was kind of hard to evaluate Daniel Jones, uh, because he didn't have any of his receivers. Although he won't have, he might not have these guys all the time anyway. <laughs> um, I didn't see anything particularly bad from him or particularly great. I think Tyra Taylor did honestly impress me because I think he was playing with worse pl- players, especially on the offensive line. Though it's not like the starters looked amazing. Um, and he just like throws a good ball and he makes like he can he can he. he you and I pointed out a, a couple times during one of the practices he was like doing the Mahomes-esque like. Sidearm to fit it into a tight window he threw he throws a pretty good deep ball and he can still move pretty quick but i don't know I, I it's just like right away it's obvious how much better he is than the backups they've had here for a long time
1: yeah and i think even independent of that he is um you know he's a legit backup quarterback i mean even taking away comparisons to the previous guys colt mccoy and mike glennon um and yeah, he, he, he still has for an older guy. Like it, it's funny because he is—he's pretty old at this point, and he's going to be by the time the season starts 30, 33 because he—he he turns, uh, he turns thirty-three in August, early August. So, um, but you know, he still moves pretty darn well, and he can not only move but he can throw on the run. Um, now, he's never been the tallest guy, um, yeah. and certainly has shortcomings. But um, yeah, there's a reason why changing. Yeah. changing arm angles um being able to improvise like i think i think i mentioned this to you when we were watching practice uh he has like a, a bit of a sandlot quarterback um feel to him and then i i think i you know i had mentioned this to you i when of my first job at a college up I, yeah. I was covering the high schools down in his area of, the, of uh, virginia and so i'm really old now right i covered a guy well, you've, been able <laughs> to track, you've been able to track his journey from day one yeah yeah i remember when he was in high school at, at um in Hampton high school down in Virginia. And he, that was his, you know, his MO he was a three star or a three sport athlete. and And he, he, that was his thing, you know, like playground style, Sandlot style, Uh, dual threat quarterback, all that stuff. So obviously he was a really highly recruited player and played really well in college um, and wasn't just like a running quarterback. I mean, he threw for a ton of yards and all that stuff and and has made a lot of money and acquitted himself well as a quarterback in the NFL for a guy who, there was talk when he was coming out that he would maybe potentially have to change positions, play receiver, Um, you know, obviously on a lesser level than what you heard about, like Lamar Jackson, which was misguided. Um, But (laughs) He's acquitted himself well, and he's a guy who could. Uh, – They hope they don't have to play him, but if they do, I think that they will be okay. That you know, it yeah. not be. I mean,
0: they won't. Okay. They won't lose six in a row, maybe like they did last year.
1: I would be shocked if that happened.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, running back. I mean, I feel like touching a lot of the same territory we've already touched with Saquon. Like they've, they're clearly going to use him as a receiver. They've been moving him around a lot. Um, he, this is as healthy as he's been probably since his first going into his first or second year. Um. He said some interesting stuff about how he, he like admitted that he didn't really feel like he was playing with much confidence like the last two years, which I think you could see if you actually watch the game. But hearing him actually say it, I found it interesting, but big year for him, obviously. But I mean, we don't need to talk about on too much. The backups. I mean, Brito looks fast. Uh, the other guys didn't really stand out. Um, that'll be more of a that, running backs is training camp fodder more than right now, I feel like. It's not like they're running the ball very much right now.
1: Um, you can't really read a read on it because there's no pads. Yeah. There's no, no tackling.
0: Yeah. So, but I, it is interesting how they're using Saquon, lining him out with receiver, stuff like that. So, that would be something. That is trying.
1: interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, he's a guy who had that asset and that ability. And, um, but I like, you always want guys to stay healthy, right? Like, yeah. no one's root, none of us are rooting for players to get hurt. Obviously, with Saquon Barkley, um, you just hope you know, obviously you hope he stays healthy just from a human standpoint. Right. But like, I really would just want to see like if he stays healthy and like, obviously their line is not great still, but um, like no matter how it turns out, like, I don't care how it turns out, just being an objective observer. I'm just fascinated to see like, all right, let's see what happens when he stays healthy. Like maybe it pans out that he just doesn't have it. Okay. Well then we have an answer. Like the, yeah. the thing with him yeah. is like, I just want uh like, I want to see how, you know, the answer plays out um, of, because now it's like, if he stays healthy, like no, not that he's making excuses. When you say no more excuses, he's not making them, but like, there's no more like asterisk attached to it. Like, let's see it. Um, And let's see how he's deployed by a coach who like knows what the heck he's doing offensively, not Jason Garrett. Right. So, um, so I, I I hope, I hope that happens because um, then we'll have, then we'll be able to say like, okay, you know what? Maybe the number two pick well, was ill-advised, wasn't so bad. Or, you know what? Maybe that was a colossal disaster of a decision.
0: And the interesting thing about this, and this is something I'm sure we'll talk about all year, um, even if he has a great year, I still see this as probably his last year with the Giants. Yeah. You, can't, you just can't give a running back a big second contract. I think Joe Shane knows that. Um, unless you, I don't know. I mean, yeah, even the franchise tag would probably be too much. I imagine that will probably be around $10 million or something like that. And that's just too much for a running back right now. Um, so so I mean, he has a lot to gain for himself. I mean, if he plays well, the, the offense will be better. So that's gonna be a storyline for sure. Um receiver, it's pretty I mean, it's kind of the same stuff we've always talked about and we'll probably talk about for a long time. If those three guys don't stay healthy, they're in trouble. I think the more interesting thing beyond like the Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, Shepard stuff is Darius Slayton. Uh we've talked I think we've talked about this a little bit on here, but it just like Wild to me that those three guys have been out for all of the team drills. And Slayton has had fewer first team reps than CJ Board, than David Sills, um, and Richie James have all had more first team reps than him. And Wandell Robinson, probably around the same. Travis Toy Vonin has looked, has had more reps than him. And when he's gotten the reps, he's like had a lot of drops too. It's just been like a tough, tough spring for him. I mean, he could bounce back in training camp, but like the odds are going up that he's going to be a, uh, cut down guy in uh in September
1: yeah it hasn't been good for him just in terms of deployment um and and production um you you would have thought coming into the spring like okay this is his chance to shine considering that that, you know Sterling Shepard obviously we we knew he was going to be out in the spring um but but Kenny Galladay didn't practice much for an undisclosed seemingly minor injury who knows um and so it's like, okay, there's opportunity for him to be the number one outside receiver with the starters in the spring. Um, and it didn't materialize that way. Um yeah, so I I look, I mean, like I don't know what 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 could they give for him in a trade? Is this gonna be a repeat of the James Bradbury situation where think, Joe Shane just convinces really, himself? I think at some
0: point if they if they were gonna trade him, it would probably be a BJ Hill type thing. Yeah. Like you trade I mean the crazy part of the B- about the BJ Hill thing, in retrospect, is that they gave a draft pick and BJ Hill, and BJ Hill wound up playing great. But um, yeah, like you, like a player for player swap, like maybe they trade him for a corner. They could use another corner. Um, I-, I think Slain will get another job. Like whether he gets claimed on waivers or somebody picks him up after the fact, like there's he's perfectly capable NFL wide receiver.
1: I mean, it just it all. All of the factors just point to him not being here in Week One. Yeah. You know whether final year of his rookie contract wasn't drafted by this GM, two point five million in cap savings potentially for a cut or a trade for a team that really needs the cap room. The performance uh, hasn't been great uh, here in the spring, and he really hasn't been a, a blossomed into the type of player maybe they hoped he might be after that kind of surprising rookie year. And then they have bodies in the room when everyone's healthy which is a big when or if yep
0: so I mean, there's
1: four receivers locked in ahead of him it yeah. just there's not really much working in his favor for being yeah. here week one um in a different situation um maybe but i just this is it become just not a good situation for him on multiple levels
0: yeah i mean if he's a change of scenery type guy maybe maybe he'll do better somewhere else now it's weird because i feel like he was he was one of the few things you could be feel good about after 2019 he had that great rookie year that nobody saw coming fifth round pick getting 700 yards and eight touchdowns in a bad year for the giants like that was it feels like so long ago at this point it's just crazy to where where we've come to but this, this happens sometimes you know guys you know getting their own head or you know they they teams figure them out or whatever it is i think ultimately he was never going to be a number one or two which they kind of forced forced him into being for the last couple of years so um interested to see where he lands but um at tight end, I think this has been a pretty interesting. Daniel Bellinger seems pretty locked in as the starter. I mean, I know it's very early, but the thing that's been so, even more surprising than that is that Ricky Seals-Jones, who I thought, you know, he's a veteran that had some experience they when they signed him. They didn't really have anybody on the roster at tight end. He, he I almost am at the point where I don't know if he's going to make the team. Like, they, I saw him running with a third team the other day, and th- that under after rookie Austin Allen has gotten some first-team reps. Like, it, I, I mean, it's not like Ricky Seals-Jones is a guy – anybody is you know scared about when they're preparing to face an offense that hasn't but that surprised me a little bit
1: yeah i mean he's a known name um yeah but but he but here's where it's worth noting is because with the thing with cutting a guy is like yeah a team might want to do it but can they do it so there's like the two things like do they want to do it and can they do it Right, so we don't know if they will want to do it, right? Because they could yeah. use some depth at tight end, if they, especially if they're going to start a rookie. Yeah. Uh, so the, f- the one side of it is he's got a very manageable cap number, a million dollars, and that's really all his his salary. Yeah, that, um, he
0: did that like veteran salary benefit deal or whatever.
1: If they cut him, I mean, it's only three hundred fifty-two thousand in dead money, and they save six hundred ninety-five thousand. So it's not expensive to keep him. It's also not hard to cut him. Yeah. So, so they I feel could like he's the kind of guy that. You
0: know, when when you get the roster cutdowns, a guy makes the team initially, and then somebody gets cut that they're interested in, and they claim him off waivers. Like they, you can find a guy that's Ricky Seals. If that happens,
1: I'll get that. Out. That would be uh, you've laid out a very specific situation that certainly could happen. Yeah. So let's keep that in our pocket, and that uh, give you uh, <laughs> give me credit, credit when there I'm if I'm that right happens. But for, wrong, for yeah. guessing right, uh, <laughs> we'll forget about it in two days. But uh, <laughs> when they signed him, it's just like okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is why. This is why. Uh, people look at his roster and say they have so many problems because everyone complained, and oftentimes rightfully so, about Evan Ingram. But then it becomes like, okay, well, well, like, Who, careful what you wish for. Yeah. Because this team has had no cap uh, because of Dave Gettleman, and so they had no ability to, to have immediate upgrades, and they're going to be in a position where, look, let's be fair to Bellinger. On one hand, he might... We'll give him every benefit of the doubt because he hasn't played yet, but he hasn't played yet. So, like, let's also recognize that it's going to take a little bit for him to adjust. So, um, yeah, I think tight end could be a major problem for this team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're
0: relying on a fourth-round pick. So, I mean, <laughs> that, that's a, that's a big leap. So, offensive line is always the most interesting position on the Giants, I would say. Um, uh, let's see. Andrew Thomas is still banged up with his ankle. He was limited. Um, I don't know. I mean, you would think he'll be good for training camp, but we'll see. Uh, In terms of the rest, uh, Shane Lemieux is locked in as the starter, at left guard, I think, which is interesting. Uh, Feliciano's at center. Glancy's still at right guard. You talked to Evan Neal one on one. We we can get into that in a second. One thing that I was surprised by is that they've been using Joshua Azudu, the guy they drafted in the third round at left tackle with Thomas out. Which I like. I thought when they drafted him, I thought, okay, this is a guy they want to win the left guard starting job, and he's like competition with Lemieux and some of the veterans they signed. Seems like they want Lemieux to be the left guard and Azudu to be like a swing backup everywhere, which is an interesting role. I mean, he's a third round pick. You ideally want your third round pick to start, but I don't know. What what'd you make of that? I, I, I th- that surprised me. I thought he was just going to they just going to lock this guy in at left guard, but I guess it makes sense to see what he can do elsewhere too.
1: If, if not start, then just like learn one position, right? Yeah. So, like, um, to, put on it's a, rookie, a,
0: have like a, it's a
1: lot to ask the guy to learn a couple positions. So, like, um, maybe he's not going to be a guard, maybe yeah. he's maybe he's going to be a backup tackle, yeah, but maybe that's weird because the Matt, maybe they view him as like the Matt Parrott kind of guy. I don't know. I mean, they drafted this guy in the third round, um, and you already have both tackle spots solidified, yeah. so there's no path to him starting at either tackle spot. But you're you have him as a backup tackle right now. So like, look, it could just be like moving around, moving pieces, and there will be a full fledged left guard competition in training camp, maybe. But you know, Shane Lemieux was the starter for what it's worth going into last year before his knee injury. Um, you know, he was the best of a not great group of options that they had going into last year, given you know the fact that he wasn't excellent to say the least, you know, in 2020 as a rookie. Um, And so, uh, yeah, left guard remains an intriguing spot. Obviously, center, not much to talk about there. Right guard, not much to talk about. You know, all the other spots are solidified. Left guard is the one where we think there could be some competition. But like you said, then again, maybe not. Um, Azut was the most interesting, I think, revelation in the spring in terms of not like necessarily how he performed, because who knows? There's no pads on, right? So you can't yeah, read yeah. into it. But just the deployment of them, I thought, was a revelation. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they could change up things in training camp. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's hard for these offensive linemen to really impress, per se. In the, in yeah, run. yeah.
0: Although I, I will say somebody asked me on Twitter uh, after my article went up, about should they be worried about like the center position? I think they were asking about like backups. And so I like, actually think about who their backup centers were. And based on who they've been practicing, it's it's either going to be like Ben Bredesen, Max Garcia, who I thought was going to be a left guard guy. And they've been working him at center a little bit, Jamil Douglas. And like, the, so I mean, the reality is, any team, if they get their offensive linemen get injured, they're in trouble. But like, if the Giants lose any of their offensive linemen, really, but center in particular, these are all guys that haven't really played center. So,
1: it's um, wild to see yeah. to have seen Bredesen uh yeah working at center my goodness um yeah. and 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 let's let's you know touch on this like Feliciano is got to be one of the one of like no, no disrespect here but the guy's probably one of the worst starting centers in the NFL right is that is that fair like am yeah. I being right I mean given the performance and um it, it, you know and and also the fact that he really hasn't played center much <laughs> yeah so the like that really hasn't been talked about much this spring the fact that this guy was a guard for That's the most point, part in yeah. buffalo um there's they, they still have some problems on the offensive line i get and i guess i can touch on evan Neal. and you know what like maybe his performance will be uh you know maybe that he won't perform well like just like andrew thomas didn't perform well as a rookie just like a lot of guys don't perform well as a rookie but you know, I do think that um, it's been pretty impressive. You know, watching him, you know, run after practice, um, hearing him talk about his preparation, uh, and getting a chance to talk to him yesterday. I think he's an impressive guy uh, in terms of he he gets it, like he gets what he has to do. Uh, he has the physical size, obviously, so there's no questions about his size. Um, I don't think he's a guy like Mikay Beckton who has like the weight issue thing per se, just cause he's really well put together. Um, but you know, now let's go see if he can do it and process and play quick and move quick and all the things he knows he has to do. So, uh, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves in terms of like crowning this guy. But, uh, I do think that, um, you come away from the spring for what it's worth for an offensive lineman with no pads on the kid did a nice job. It seems like, of, 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 of absorbing things and understanding, you know what it takes to uh, prepare and uh, to do the extra stuff at this level. Um, so I I think there's certainly plenty of potential there. And you saw with Andrew Thomas, like he's a diligent guy too. It took him a year, and it takes yeah. a lot of these guys a year. It might take him a year. Like, let, I think maybe that's the biggest lesson with Evan Neal. Like if he's playing poorly in the middle of his yeah, don't jump to It it might be instructive to look at what happened with Thomas. So yeah,
0: yeah and they're they're. I mean, as you mentioned a little bit, uh, they, I mean they yeah. are similar in their personalities a little bit. I think they're like really a. Reserved guys that you wouldn't think are guys going to go out there and kill, kill a defensive lineman, and they do. So.
1: Almost very, very studious type personalities. Yeah, but um, yeah, I Neil mean, has these like watch
0: glasses anywhere and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Okay. We can. So I think that's pretty much offense. The offense. Um, I think, you know, if everybody's not healthy, Mike K yeah,
1: would um, note that you didn't uh, talk about fullback. Yeah. I
0: mean, I think they've won on oh, the buddy. roster, Jeremiah Hall. Um, <laughs> didn't stand out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the offense in general, I'm curious, we still don't really know who's calling plays. I, I, that's going to be one of the biggest storylines of the fall, I would say. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. But defensive-wise, uh, I mean, Wing Martindale is the overall takeaway. We can touch on him in a second. Defensive line, there's not really much to talk about there. I mean, it's Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence. You kind of know what you're getting. Justin Ellis is going to fill the Austin Johnson role, and that's kind of that. Um, Edge rusher is, is interesting. Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, we didn't really get to see him. That much because he got banged up pretty early in OTAs. I can't remember when exactly, but what they wound up doing was giving Ellerson Smith and Jihad Ward a lot of time with the ones. Uh, Ellerson Smith, I think, has looked pretty good. Hard, again. I mean, we, I guess we don't need to keep saying it, but it doesn't really. It's hard to really tell now, but it seems like they're moving him around a lot. He's getting a lot of pressure. Um, I think he really he's like a he's like a ball of clay that Wink Martindale can mold because he has like great athletic tools. He's like six foot five or whatever it is, and a 250 he's very athletic um very raw so I, I am very curious to see what he becomes because i think this is the coaching staff to get him into the right place whether he is impactful this year or not like he, people have to remember only played in eight games last year he, not many snaps didn't play at all the year before that in college um and i think he started football late. you wrote a long story about him i think he started football pretty late but he, he's kind of one of the interesting guys for me for training camp
1: for sure i mean versatility like what he what he has in vers- what he lacks in maybe like uh, girth and win weight uh he has in you know the ability to be long and versatile and um another pretty quiet kid um but you need a creative defensive coordinator to uh, perhaps get the most out of my you know i thought he did some good things in the spring and and i think you know we know uh, we were talking about this the other day of practice. Like you mentioned, the D line It's almost not even worth talking about because we know how it's going to look essentially. Yeah. Uh, the two starting outside linebackers, okay, Thibodeau, Ojolari. but who's going to be the third guy? I think that'll be the interesting thing to see. Like, so who's going to be the third uh, edge rusher? And we know Oshane Zimenez has basically been placed out curbside at this point. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, sure yeah, and so. Uh, I think Ellerson Smith, Jihad Ward are, are a couple of guys to watch there. So, in one hand, you have a young guy in Smith who's kind of quiet, versatile. And the other guy Ward's a character. Ward, total, absolute, uh, whatever the opposite of the word wallflower would be, right? This guy's a two character. like a
0: gregarious, like.
1: He's loud, yeah. Yeah. Here, he's boisterous.
0: He had some like really. He, I mean, he was a great podium guy, um which we obviously appreciate. But he was saying some stuff about how he's staying on on Thibodeau to you know stay in his playbook and stuff like that. And I think it's good that they have uh, an adult in the room, as they as the Giants have said for a long time about other uh, areas of their organization. But they, they have an adult in the room, which I think is good because that is a very young group of pass rushers. So,
1: yeah, I think he'll be a good mentor. And you wrote this. Um the other day a good mentor for Kayvon Thibodeau and um so I yeah I think there's some interesting pieces there uh that may not be the sexy names per se but like Ellerson Smith if you know if you're listening to this podcast you're obviously a pretty pretty dedicated Giant fan so you know who he is so you're gonna you know that's something to worth following I think in training camp it's not going to be the headline story but um it's certainly something worth following and you never know like when, when a, an, a situational edge rusher could make a significant impact. If the guy, maybe he only gets 20 snaps a game, but if you're, if you're, if you're playing third down and you're, and you're, you have the ability to get into the backfield and make a big play that, you know, those 20 snaps, one, all you need is one of them to pay off. And so, um, he's certainly a guy to watch and yeah, he's got a good story too. Um, Yeah. And he
0: wrote a great story about him last year. Unfortunately, then he wound up not playing for half the season after that. Yeah.
1: And he'll get a chance to play back home in Minneapolis on Christmas Eve this year. So, so that'll be a cool moment for him. Uh, You know, we'll see what kind of role he has in this defense. It's really up to to him to kind of uh, continue to progress and up to Wink Martindale to find a spot for this guy. Cause like you said, he's got the athleticism, raw guy, interesting guy.
0: Yeah. And, I, I there was a couple plays I saw the other day where they had him lined up like as a sort of like inside linebacker and even dropped into coverage on one play. So they clearly like he's a guy that maybe they just view as a guy that can move everywhere and get just to get him to the at the quarterback and stuff like that. So that's gonna be interesting. Maybe by the end of the year he's playing a lot and. He's making some for um, Yeah, I think
1: that's what Wink, it's worth noting that when I mean, yeah. we talk about the blitz is the obvious, the man-to-man coverage, is the obvious, one of the other things is like the the disguising that he does, yeah. and that's a good example of it, yeah, where he, you're moving out it,
0: uh, some great quotes about that um, how it's like uh, Feliciano was like, I go up to Wink before every practice just to get an idea of what they're going to throw at us sometimes he like lies, he like lies to me because he wants to beat us um, but he, he said, I have something special for you today, and that, that day like Julian Love was playing up at linebacker. Dame Belton was blitzing a bunch of times from safety. Uh, you had Ellison Smith at middle linebacker. Like, so if he's confusing the Giants offense, you know, I guess maybe that's bad in the long run, but, like, the idea that they could be confusing the opponent is going to be good. Um, inside linebacker, again, that's not, like, one that's very exciting either. You have Blake Martinez injured. Uh, Tay Crowder's, you know, he's kind of lingering there. I don't know if he'll – Start all year if they even play that. If they even play two inside linebackers all that much, um, they drafted a couple guys: McFadden, Beavers. That's. I don't think we either either of us really have much to say there. Um, secondary, I think we should talk about though because that's
1: that's I the big one.
0: Big. I mean, We've talked about this on here. Like it, it's a concern. Very young. Um, Darnay Holmes and Aaron Robinson missed a bunch of practices. I think that was just out of abundance of caution. I think they're okay. Um, maybe have some nicks. Like I think. I was told Darnay as a foot thing. I don't know what Robinson's is. Um, but I think those two guys are probably, at least as of now, I would say are probably going to open the season as like the outside and nickel starters. Probably Cordell Flat, maybe pushing uh, Darnay. So a guy that like was getting a lot of snaps on the outside with Robinson out was Michael Jackett, who they signed on the first day of OTAs. I only had heard of him because he was, he started a, like a game. I think it might even have been against the Giants. I can't remember started a game for the Eagles two years ago um and so he was like the top backup at outside corner like it I don't know you have Xavier McKinney Julian love and Dane Belton at safety which I guess is you know two veterans and and a rookie but I don't know this, this secondary like they have some quarterbacks out to play this year that are pretty good um I'm it's it's gonna be bumpy I would say
1: to say the least I mean and then just uh it's, it's interesting because like right before we got on here and started recording this you and I are kind of uh, pre-writing uh, one of those standard issue uh, player countdown thingies for the summer. And um, I was just writing one on Aaron Robinson and, uh, you know, he did play 149 snaps last year at outside corner 92 in the slot. So he didn't play a lot period. Um, but uh, the one thing I kind of wrote in there, just thinking about uh, if if he can somehow play well, that will solve so many problems for this team and his defense. Like he's got to be one of the bigger keys um Now he might not be, you know, if Adore like obviously Adoree Jackson's your number one corner, he's really important. But um, if Aaron Robinson can somehow surprise and be a pretty good player, like that will go a long way toward making this defense a lot better, I think, than than people expect it to be. Because if you just get baseline level play from Adoree Jackson, even not as good, Adoree Jackson's a pretty good player last year. Even if it's not as good as that, right? That's acceptable level play. Um, And if Robinson can give you something just shy of that that exceeds expectations, um, then that'll let Martindale do a lot of the blitzing that he wants to do. So Aaron Robinson's an enormous key, enormous key for this, for this defense. And we just have not seen a lot from him Like we've seen so little from, I actually like referred to his uh, NFL.com pre-draft scouting report in this, uh, this thing I wrote just because he barely played last year and and and, like you said, we we didn't see him much with what is a seemingly minor injury here in the spring. so um just waiting to see this guy a little bit more out there, yeah.
0: I mean, he's a, he's an x factor for this team and I mean this goes back to what we were saying the offensive line um, if any if I mean even whether he's good or not, if he's injured or especially if a Dory might be, his importance is almost more tied to the depth than even like how good or bad he is. I mean he's yeah. Good. But, like, if you lose a Dory, like, you're in a lot of trouble. Um, like, I don't even know who – like, I, I guess you have to play Aaron Robinson at the top – against the top, or you put Julian Love out there. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe they maybe they find a veteran that gets cut that, you know, has some experience in the fall. But, I, I mean, that's – on, on one hand, it's concerning. On the other, I think it's smart that they're – you know, this is a rebuilding year. And so you're kind of throwing a lot of darts – and uh, seeing if any of them connect. Um, that wasn't a great analogy, but I think you get my point. <laughs> uh, like, I, So they have this. They have Aaron Robinson. If he's good, then you have a long-term solution at, for cheap. If he's not, you can draft somebody. You can find somebody else. You know, they took a swing at Cordell Flott. You have a young Darnay Holmes, uh, Xavier McKinney. I mean, probably move on from Julian Love after this year maybe. But so they have all these young guys that are going to get a lot of snaps as opposed to last year where, you know, you had Logan Ryan who was aging. You had – James Bradbury, who who is, you know, he's not old, but he he is declining. I would say athletically. So I don't know. At, at the very least, you have some young guys you can throw out there, and if they don't work, then you re- reboot next year.
1: Yeah, um, and then just kind of you have to just suffer the uh, suffer through some of the growing pains, or maybe not even the growing pains, just the pains of players not being that good. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, in yeah. the meantime, because look, I mean, like Julian Love it's not really like growing pains. Like maybe the guy's just a backup player.
0: Julian Love, like coaches have been like allergic to making him a starter in his career so far. It's like when he when he was a rookie, they waited till the very end of the year to finally play him. Um, they really didn't want to. It didn't seem like judges, coaching staff really wanted to play him. But they but he's so versatile that they kept on having to because of all the injuries and, you know, he, he's a perfectly fine player. He's a good like backup to have, I think a good person. Yeah, but,
1: you yeah. know, and now they're going to start him um, and you know, we'll see if that. The problem is, you know, when you're not a great roster, you wind up having to start guys who should be backups. I mean, it's not yeah. rocket science, and that's uh, that's a position the Giants are in at a, at a f- quite a few fairly important positions, and so they're going to have to try to scheme around that. I think uh, what, we've been saying this since the end of last year. No matter who was the coach or who was the GM of this team in 2022, the coaching staff was going to have to do like some serious heavy a lot lifting. Of heavy lifting, yeah to get the young guys to get to get to, to mold your returning players who right so decent amount of youngers in there and then you're going to have to play a lot of young guys so that that's a heavy lift too from a coaching perspective so I mean,
0: I, um i'd say dable's going to this this yeah. is maybe a, a chance for him to really like prove what he's made of honestly as a coach like he's going to have to earn his money this year him and Mike, yeah i mean yeah. if
1: if if they uh you know i think if if they wind up winning more games than expected i you know i think you obviously credit the players but you you almost have to credit certainly the coaching staff considering where they came from and these are largely the same group of guys i mean there's not a lot of change here on yeah. this roster i was even and talking about um, I, I was on
0: another podcast uh, talking giants uh, earlier today and i and i made the point that i think this might be one of the only times i can think of where the a team is, might wind up having more rookies on the 53 man roster than guys they signed in free agency like i I, they have 11 draft picks you think that a a few of the undrafted rookies will make it probably and they really didn't sign that many guys like there's a lot of like under the radar guys i guess like you count like davis webb if he makes it or jamie gillen or whatever but i don't know i feel it's going to be closer than it usually is
1: yeah no i mean uh it's that's just the reality for this team they're going to have to they're going to have to start and, and have significant contributions from a bunch of young guys whether those are rookies or second year players I mean Aaron Robinson might as well be a rookie <laughs> so
0: yeah
1: um and he was drafted to play in the slot and now he's being asked to play outside and I you know it's weird because I, I asked him I said when's the last time you played a lot outside corner and then they I don't know, I guess his answer was vague it was like uh, <laughs> like never I don't know I guess that's what I yeah, got he, from he's that
0: not a big he's not a big talker
1: <laughs> so um yeah, we have said it time and again that you know this this season is going to be a lot about figuring out what they have for the future, and that's what it is in rebuilding. Like you said, you just you throw what you have out there and see what sticks.
0: Exactly. We don't need to dive into special teams. They got Graham Gano back. They got Casey Kreider. Jamie Gillan will probably be fine as a punter. Um, curious to see what they do with a returner. If Richie James makes it, he probably is a returner. You want ideally that when they drafted Canary Stoney, you thought he would be a punt returner, but maybe that'll be Wandale. Um, yeah, I think we cover pretty much everything. Uh, anything else you want to add before we get out?
1: No, I mean, we're going to do another one of these episodes coming up here. So we're not going yeah. on summer break yeah, just we'll, yet. We'll in we'll fact, remember. we're not going on summer break at all. We're going to do some of these, uh, you well, you when I'm off, you'll have Steve Politti on. Yeah, and, there's
0: uh, always something going on with the Giants. too. So this. we'll
1: look ahead to training camp in the next episode, but we just want to review, uh, the spring. Um, so for, for as light as it was, there was certainly plenty that happened. Um, and so we have, yeah. you know, plenty. Well, to talk you, about. you
0: have that vacation to Cape Cod planned, right? We're going to, you know, look, look out over and, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, we'll get you guys another pod uh, next week. I mean, Daryl and I will both be going on vacation pretty soon, but, um, we're still sure going to try to get you guys some episodes throughout the summer. Um, Check out our our work on NJ.com, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.